This is the Emerge and Expand podcast and I'm your host, Catherine McKenzie-Smith. Today I'm bringing you another episode of the Do Business Differently interview series and I'm so glad to have the wonderful Maggie Patterson as the guest for this episode. Maggie Patterson is the editorial director at Scoop Studios and creator of Small Business Boss. With two decades of experience, Maggie has spent her entire career in client services and has been a successful entrepreneur for over 15 years. Today she works with service businesses and agency owners to build BS free businesses that put trust first in everything they do. A podcaster and writer, Maggie is a vocal advocate for humane business practices rooted in respect, empathy, and trust. She's the host of the BS Free Service Business Podcast and the co-host of Duped, the Dark Side of Online Business. Hi, Maggie. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I'm super excited to be here. And I know based on our pre-chat, we're going to have an amazing discussion. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I've been following your work for a long time. Can we maybe start off by you just giving us a brief rundown of what it is that you do. So I think the easiest and simplest way is we will just start with the fact I run two businesses. So I run a content marketing agency that is probably the least interesting thing about me, but I do have a lot of experience. I've been running my own business for almost 18 years now. And I've spent my entire career in client-facing roles in communications. But that has actually led me to spinning out a second business, which is called BS Free Business. And I work with service business owners to help them run their businesses without all the hoopla and really get back to basics so they can run it in a really values-driven way, in a way that works for them, and that is actually sustainable. Because I think we both know a lot of what's out there is not set up for service business owners, and it's not set up to be sustainable. And as you know, this is probably how you actually got to know me is I around that I do a lot of uh, consumer education and like advocacy type work pointing out all the problems I see in the online business world, because there are just so many I mean, it could be a full time job for me to just do that. Yeah. It, it really is endless. And I commend you because I know that my energy could not just daily show up and be consuming so much of that. I really try and block out as much of it as I can because I it's so toxic. Yeah. For some reason, I have a, a very good um, threshold around that. But I also, mm-hmm. and we will talk about this. There are times I get hijacked by this entire, I get hooked, I get hijacked and I'm a mess. <laughs> Yeah, it's so interesting. And that leads me, I guess, to my first question, which is obviously you mentioned it in your little intro that you had a, a, another business and that led to this because you obviously saw so much of that happening in the industry, in the online business space. Was that sort of the the thing for you that made you realize that you needed to start this? Like, What was it that led you to the point where you're doing this work today? It's a really good question. So I think it comes down to a few things is, you know, I had a lot of experience as a freelancer, as a business owner. And so when I arrived in the online business world, like actually 10 years ago this month, I was like, hold up, what am I seeing here? So that was kind of the first part of it. It was, I was like, "Mm, this doesn't seem right. Like this is not how I've done marketing and communications for my entire career. This is not how I've ever sold my business. It was a lot of things. But then of course I, you know, I was also at the same time, I was like, well, maybe they know something I don't know. 
So I was really open to it. And I spent those first couple of years, you know, I worked behind the scenes for coaches as a copywriter. I joined mastermind and all these things. Like I, I definitely got sucked into some degree, but I always had that feeling. I was like, mm, yeah, I'm not going to do these things. And I remember like I had a coach who's like, really urging me to do these tactics that I thought I was like, I'm not going to do these things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in talking to my friends, talking to some of my peers, you know, people I've gotten to know in these spaces, they were like, yeah, I hear it too. And I was like, okay, well, you know, a couple of years in, I was like, I need to talk about this. Mm-hmm. And I, so it's always been a through line in my work where I've just been like, Hey, you don't need to run your business this way. And, you know, over time, I've just gotten a little louder and a little louder and a little louder. And finally, you know, seven plus years later, I feel like people are finally ready to listen to me (laughs) because before I, I, and I said this to one of my friends actually earlier today, I said, you know, for a long time there, like I thought maybe I was like, I'd lost the plot, but I was like, no, I know I'm right. I need to just keep saying the thing because even if it's only 10 people that agree with me or 10 people that need to hear this message, it's that important to me because I saw so much damage being done, especially having worked behind the scenes in these businesses. Like I, I have all too firm grip on how these things are being done and how very, very horrible they are. Mm, That is so interesting to hear. And I I do wonder, even just the way that you said, I mean, there's so many different things I want to ask you right now. But one thing is, I do wonder if we're now at a point where, you know, this is still a fairly new in the grand scheme of humanity, a fairly new invention. And I have to wonder if, you know, seven years in, now people have been burnt themselves enough times that they, you know, there's like, even when you were talking, I'm thinking about this ingrained in us survival instinct to fit in to not shake the boat to you know not want to miss out and so I can see how the big followers and the huge you know influencer status is really alluring to people and also to make people think oh well they obviously know best because they've done this this and this they're making the money they've got the followers they've got all of the things that you know, by social social standards, I should want. So obviously they're the person that I should be listening to. And I have to wonder if now, seven years down the track, people are actually seeing they've they've seeing through that, but they've also had enough of their own lived experiences that they're now realizing, oh, I need to find someone who isn't like this. Where are they? And you've you've been there and you're there sharing a lot of your own experiences, but also what you're seeing around in the online space. You know, I think it's a good point. I think there is an element of market immaturity, like you know, people have been around a little bit longer. They've seen, you know, once you see something the first time, you don't necessarily, it doesn't really catch you. When you've seen it for the 10th or 20th and your gut still is like, eh, I don't know about yeah. that. Or you tried it and it didn't work as promised. I mean, I think the sad reality of this, and I mean, I really pisses me off, frankly, mm-hmm. is that yes, a lot of people have been burned, but I also think there was a convergence of factors in 2020 in particular, Mm -hmm. with how the marketing and sales machine didn't slow down in the pandemic. Yeah. Like people were literally stuck at home, vulnerable, financially Mm -hmm. vulnerable, emotionally Mm -hmm. depleted. 
And these people were out there selling harder than ever. So many of the big names in the online space had their best year ever in 2020. And I'm not saying they shouldn't be making money, but they didn't miss a beat. They just amped it up. And then on top of that, you have, uh, at least in the US, like there was that racial reckoning. And I don't think for anybody paying attention, what happened with a lot of the big names in this industry was a surprise. Mm -hmm. Like people, this was in plain sight the whole time. Yeah. But I do think for a lot of people that were not paying attention, this really demonstrated and drove home for them based on people's actions in that time period, how not aligned with these their values these people were, how these people were um, you know, saying one thing and doing another. It showed a lot of incongruence. And I think that really along with the pandemic. And I also think the TikTokification of everything, mm-hmm. um, I think it really, all those kind of factors converged at once where people went, yeah, you know what? I'm sick of being screwed over like this. I'm tired. And they started looking and I can literally point to the period in time where things started to shift and I saw more uptake in my message and people who'd always been giving me side eye finally were like, okay, I'm ready to listen to you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready to hear you out. Yeah. That's so interesting. And I think you're right. And I think that was a real exposing and uncovering time in so many different ways because yeah. so many things did converge in that time. And I think there's been obviously in the online space and in the physical world, a real the people who were doing so well before that in the way the systems were set up and are still set up are the ones pushing for life to just go back to normal. But there has been an exposing, and I am a huge TikTok fan. I love TikTok because it's just real in a way that Instagram isn't as a social media platform. And it has kind of allowed for a permission of like, just be more of yourself instead of trying to curate this Instagram perfect feed. So with that, with 2020 and this new direction of the way that people are kind of picking up that message from you, one thing that really stands out for me is that if you had stopped after three months of talking about it and it not maybe picking up the leg that we have been taught, you know, that you should be going viral and, you know, you should be starting a TikTok account and it instantly has, that, you know, hundreds of thousands of followers and that sort of thing. What do you have to say? Like, this is a really important thing, I think, for people who are just starting out, for people who have been doing this for a while and maybe haven't amassed that huge following, that there is something in sticking it out because you might be early to the direction that we're going in. And if you had kind of even given it three years and stopped talking about it because you thought, oh, people aren't really hearing the message and not ready for it, you wouldn't be able to be where you are now doing the work that you're doing. Do you have anything around like what kept you going in that time? Was it just a purely the fact that it was so, it is so important and it is something we should be talking about? Can you talk a little bit about that? Um, I, I, maybe I just don't know when to quit. I mean, that might be part of it, but I think here's the thing. And I, I will always, you know, be very clear in disclosing this is I am a writer. Like that's what I do in my agency. I'm a content creator. Like that is me. So I do have an unfair advantage in that, you know, I, those skills come really, really naturally to me. And that is just, you know, 
honestly, if you told me I couldn't create content in my business anymore, I'd be like, what's wrong? What? Mm -hmm. Whereas I know that's not true for most people. That's really like, that is where my skills are. That's what I want to keep doing. I mean, before I had this business, I had another business. I was a crafting blogger. Like I've been blogging since the advent of blogging. I've been podcasting for nine years. Like, so, but again, you know, the podcast for nine years, writing about these things for 10 years, like we're talking about these like online business problems for seven years. Like, mm-hmm. I think it really shows a couple of things in that you may be early with your message and Sometimes it's going to take people time to get on board, but there's also been like, I kept learning through that whole Mm -hmm. time. I was like, I was refining. I was becoming um, better at articulating my message. I was becoming more curious. I was learning more things. I was pulling more things into my work. And I mean, I really saw it as like, this is not the thing that's like, putting food on my table, frankly, but it is the thing that I see as the thread in my work that I see as being the most important. And that brings together, frankly, all my interests. So, and I think mm. so many times as, as business owners, we try to have this very clinical like version of things. And I think one of the reasons my content resonates is like, I'm pulling in stuff. Like I've always had a lifelong fascination with cults. I pull that in. Mm -hmm. I have experienced the MLN industry. I pull that in. I pull in my communications background, my degree in politics. Like I'm pulling on so many threads and interests for me that it makes it fun, but it also makes my work different and interesting to people too. So many things in there that I absolutely agree with. I also was a blogger. So when I worked in TV, I didn't find it as creatively fulfilling as I thought it was going to be. And I was the same as you. I started a blog at like the start of blogging because it was like a creative outlet that I didn't have in my career. And I have always attested that to why I enjoy creating content so much versus I know that it is a really big sticking point for a lot of people who are running service-based businesses that the having to create content is like for them another challenge or another thing on the to-do list that they have to get done. Do you have any suggestions for people who are thinking about it? Like it is content creation is just another thing that they need to tick off on their list that you would suggest or recommend for how they can bring that together and create that message that is really just about who they are? Because I think that that's what stands out is the difference between this kind of influencer marketing and people who create that sustainability in their business because it's actually built around things that they are deeply passionate and interested and skilled in? I think, you know, see, I love that you use the word influencer content because I am very clear with anyone and like anyone who will ever listen to me or give me a moment of their time is I am so not an influencer. Mm. I am a, I am a writer who's based in research. And I think that to me, like you need for every person, like creating content for your business, like you need to find the thing that's going to work for you. Mm -hmm. Um, Because if you told me right now, you're like, Maggie, you can only go on Instagram if you're going to talk about your personal life. I would like literally erase (laughs) my Instagram account. Like (laughs) I do bring all those interests together. I don't talk about my son. I very rarely talk about my personal life. And I think that to me is really, really important. And I think finding the thing that's going to work for you. And I think the hangups so many people have about content is they think they have to get up there and like cut a vein because of the way we've seen content be created. And it's like, no, 
You don't. You don't have to chop up little pieces of yourself. You don't have to share little cute little stories. You get to choose if you want to do that or not. So I think finding the, 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 the format, the vehicle, the message that actually is aligned for you. And then the thing I always tell my clients too, is the type of content and the amount of content you create really, really depends on who your audience is. And if you are in the online business world, you have probably been taught in a way about your content. That's not actually right. So I'll give you an example. I have a lot of clients who done do done-for-you services. They're writers, they're designers. They think they need to be on Instagram, creating reels. Yeah. They sell to a corporate audience. Yeah. Their corporate clients aren't on there. I'm like, you could do like one LinkedIn post a week or write like one blog post like once a month for keywords. <laughs> like, and that's it. Like, so you know. I think looking very realistically, like who's my audience, who's consuming this? And ultimately, like, what's my minimal viable marketing? Hmm. If you're really struggling with it, I think the the expectation you're going to do all the all the content is absolutely ridiculous. Most businesses have other things to do. And if it's not something you really want to be doing, think figuring out what the minimally viable marketing is for your business, what the content plan is and keeping it real simple so you'll actually do it is more important than trying to be everywhere. I hate that advice so much. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I think you touched on uh, some really important things there as well about this idea of the... I don't even know what the right word to describe it would be, but this kind of mass message of if you have a business and you operate online, this is what it needs to look like. This is what success looks like. These are the things that, you you know, the markers or the KPIs that you should be going towards, you know, like <laughs> you're going to roll your eyes as soon as I say it because I know you're, uh, you're the six figures in six months, the seven-figure business that I've seen you mention one recently, you know, surviving the recession, like recession-proof your business, these these kind of mass messages that don't mean anything, that actually aren't taking people into consideration at their individual level of where they are, what they need, what their unique set of life circumstances are, all of these things. They really are mass messages for mass appeal to bring in as many people, as many dollars as possible, but without any nuance and without taking any of those things into consideration. But what that does is if you're scrolling on Instagram and you see that message enough and you're maybe having a day where you're wondering if you should even stay in your business or if you're ever going to get another client or any of those, you know, (laughs) you're just having a day when your defenses are a bit down and you're getting these same messages, seeing them over and over again, then that kind of wears you down. And I'm just interested in your thoughts on on this idea of this like mass messaging for mass appeal to bring mass people in and also how as individuals scrolling on these apps or trying to find you know new ways to do things in our business how can we be more discerning when we're when we're on these platforms when we're participating or engaging in these environments to not necessarily get sucked into that messaging of my goal should be a seven-figure business this year because that's what the key message is in the online space right now. So I think there's two parts to this. And I like that. I love, Catherine, that you use the word mass because Mm. the majority of businesses, and I'm sure this is true for the majority of people listening right now, you don't need to be doing mass marketing. Yeah. Most people are 
I work with service providers. I'll give an example. If you're a service provider, how many clients do you actually need in a year? Mm-hmm. You don't need an audience of 10,000 people. You don't need to be trying to be everywhere and do all the things. And oh my goodness, the mass messaging. You do not want to sound like those people. Yeah. So many times I will I will talk to my clients and they're like, but you know, nobody else is saying this. I'm like, that's good because mm-hmm. you don't have the resources. You don't have the ad spend. You don't have the marketing budget. You don't have the time, frankly, or the patience probably to try to go up against these people with these mass messages because they have mass marketing and mass everything else. They are building businesses that are designed to um, scoop up as many people as possible. That's not what most of us want. We want to be discerning about who we work with. We want to work with right fit clients. And we've got to trust that we can have a very small, intimate, intentional audience and that our business will be just fine. I will, yeah. I'm the first to say, I don't have a massive email list. Mm. I don't have a massive Instagram following. I don't have massive podcast downloads. Yeah. By all, and I'll use air quotes, by all traditional measures of success, I am very successful in my business. Yeah. So what does that tell you? Like I have like, I think today I looked, I have like 1,200 people on my email list. That is a very small email list for my size of business. Yeah. And it's about quality over quantity. So I think there's that part. And then I think the other part is the, how do we be more discerning? I think each one of us take the time to carefully curate who you follow. Mm. Because I, I, in, whether it's Instagram or TikTok any social media platform, we end up following something, someone based on one piece of content. Our mm. friend shares it. It shows up on our feed. We like that. We And we do it very like, it's it's like an automatic action. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Heart, like, yes. follow. Next thing you know, you've seen 10 more posts from that person. You kind of hate them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're a terrible fit for you, but we don't, you know, we don't, necessarily go back and unfollow and they just keep being there. So I think, you know, looking at taking time, looking at who you're following on social and be like, question, like, why do I follow them? Do I know them? Do I like them? Do I trust them? Because I don't believe in a hate follow. Yeah, me either. Like, why would you do that to yourself? If you really do not like them, you can, you can still go look at their content another time. Yeah. When you're in a, a safe space, like mm-hmm. there's people I have to go look at their content for research. Yeah, I do not like them. I do not trust them. And I do not want them on my feed on a regular basis. So mm-hmm. I think that's the first part of it is, you know, questioning who you're following and don't give away those follows. So, so generously, Yeah, like take a couple minutes, scroll through their profile. I know this isn't sexy, but save your conserve your attention for the places that you really want it. And I feel like social is a place we just get sucked in. Yeah. Also fill your feed with way more cats, please. Way more <laughs> things you like. Like my feed, I go to Instagram and I'm like, there's people I like, there's cats, there's dogs, there's some TV, there's some memes, meme accounts, like very it. So it's like you said, you love TikTok. It's great. Yeah. You don't need to be only consuming business content. Oh, I don't consume other- any business content on there. I think that's why I love it so much. Exactly. It's and literally I think, just, you know, what is the For You page telling me I need to see today? It's cat videos. That's awesome. I'm so happy. To, to Instagram for me is business and TikTok is just pure joy. Yeah. And I think understanding <laughs> that you are allowed to have joy in these spaces. You are. You do not have to be businessing all the time. 
And then the other part of it is I think in terms of being discerning, I think, you know, being really clear on like, Hey, is this a values match for me? And most Mm -hmm. of all, and I, I, I wrote an email to my community about this today. And I feel really, really strongly about this is the majority of people in this industry doing things that I consider scammy or shady at this point, they're doing them in plain sight. It's not a secret. Yeah. So if you learn what red flags to watch for and you just tune in, it like put a little more attention, look for a little more nuance. You start to see these things really quickly. You mm. see the pattern and you go, mm. yeah. And I think it, it's one thing for me to say, oh, you should vet them in terms of following them. But for the heaven's sakes, before you give people your money, make them court you. Don't mm. buy at 1159 when the deadline's midnight. Yeah. Like really slow down and be like, hey, what are their values? Who did they learn from? What am I actually getting here? So much damage is done because they short circuits our our nervous systems or our critical thinking, and then we make a bad choice. And for anyone who's made a bad choice, I am right there with you. Do not feel shame about it. These people are really, really good at what they do. Mm. So I got to be one better. (laughs) Yeah. That's a really great point. And I totally agree with you. I have been there myself as well. And I think especially because the people who do listen to this podcast and are in my audience are more introverted, highly sensitive, neurodivergent types. There is and, you know, navigating the nervous system and those pressure points that these people like intentionally push on us, it does kind of fry your nervous system. And when you're someone who needs to take a step back and think things through to make a decision, it does a really good job at short circuiting that part. And then that urgency kicks in the scarcity, all of the, the key markers of these kind of marketing tactics. And then suddenly you've signed up for something and three weeks later, you're like, what? what am I even doing here? How did this even happen? And so I know a lot of people have found themselves in that situation and I definitely have myself at certain points as well. And, you know, I think one thing, there's probably two things that can really, really help with this. They're super practical. They're very nerdy. Mm -hmm. So everyone be forewarned, but, you know, budgeting year over year for your, how much you're going to spend on education and coaching. If you have a budget, it forces you to go, mm, do I have this money? And instead of pressing buy on that sales page, you're then going to go open the budget. You're going to look at it and go, do I really want this? You're going to be a little more critical of that. And then the other thing is to go read the terms and conditions. Nothing will kill your excitement for something like reading the terms and conditions. Because as soon as you see, oh, no refunds, oh, this, oh, that, like once you really start seeing those things, like, okay, well, this is a $5,000 investment and there's no refunds. Like, do I want to take that risk on? Can I afford to lose this that money? Yeah. I think when you start looking at it much more clinically and like back the emotion out of it, and those become, it, you become way less susceptible to this. But I will say this, and I say this constantly to, to my clients, to anyone who listened to me on the internet, <laughs> probably to my cats and my husband, my kid, but... <laughs> Is There is a study, and it's from Segrin et al. It's a 2012 study on influence in marketing and um, advertising. And what they found, the researchers, was, this is a very well-known study. What they found is the more you realize that you are susceptible and vulnerable to these appeals, the more discerning you are going to be about them. 
we tend to overestimate our capacity to spot these things. So learning that you are vulnerable and, oh, guess what? Human really can help with just being like, hmm, does this seem right? I don't want to get scammed. I don't think anyone looks at things looking at with the eyes of, I don't want to get scammed. But I think if you can add that energy to like, oh, I might be vulnerable here. Is this what it seems? Again, it's just another checkpoint to slow us down. Mm, I really appreciate that. And it's really important to remember that it's the intentional discernment at every point, because as we all get more clued in, the tactics are going to evolve as well. And it's, and there's, you know, a chance that it's going to evolve into something that we haven't seen before. And so I think that that's really important to remember as well and just be, be gentle with ourselves, but also be discerning and do these check-ins. So there's some really great tips. Yeah. I think, um, nothing will kill your trust in things in terms of seeing how things are engineered. Like as someone who literally was like, I won't say I was making things up. They were true, but man, I was, ah, I was getting super creative (laughs) to try to pitch my clients to the media. So yeah, yeah, there's always, I don't know, take things with a grain of salt. Yeah. All of it. (laughs) Yeah. Because, and I say this all the time, like if you're scrolling Instagram and there's people on there who making you feel like you are, you know, just because of how, where you're at and you're feeling like, oh, I'm not successful enough. Oh, I don't have enough money. You know, I'm not making enough. All of those things that there, there are intentional strategies behind a lot of the stuff that we're seeing out there. And it's really important to actually just feel that and know what's happening and stop and turn it off or unfollow, walk away, take a break, find your community of people who are do have those shared values, as you have mentioned a couple of times, and actually come back to the reality of what life is and not necessarily what we're being showed on social media, because so much of it is about marketing and strategy and tactics that have a, a specific purpose behind them. Yeah. And I think the the clearer you can get on what success looks like for you in, in terms of your own personal measures of success, how much yes. money you need to be making. I know for me for a long time, I was like, oh, I'm not making X amount, whatever the you know number du jour was, I feel yes. bad. And now I'm just like, I don't care about that, whatever. Yeah, And it's because I've done a lot of work to just get my brain right about those things. And I will say, I was reading, I had shared this on Instagram last week. I was reading this awful for research. I I took one for the team book on (laughs) manifestation and money mindset. And wow, like I I said to my friend after I read it, I think I need an exorcism because Mm. There was just enough there that it messed with my brain. Even knowing all the things I know, I was just like, mm. like, it's probably going to take me a couple of weeks to unwork myself out of that because I mean, I spent, it was like a 300 plus page book. So I spent considerable time consuming it. <laughs> yeah. That's so interesting. There's so many different things that I could even ask here that we could talk about for another six hours, I feel. I know a lot of the things like the red flags and a lot of the tips and information that you've touched on today is available on your newsletter list, on your podcast, on your Instagram. So I'm not going to ask you about those things because of time. (laughs) We could be here all day. But is there anything, I guess one last thing in, in relation to that of how we can keep checking in, reviewing, 
having those values and your own goals and checkpoints that are relevant to you because it's easy when you lose sight of those things to get pulled off course. But is there anything that you would suggest or recommend to people who are listening that will help them practice discernment online as consumers, but also as people who are putting their work out into the world? I know that's a massive question. Yeah. So I think as someone who's putting their work out into the world, when, you know, we touched on values and I think when you have your values defined, it's really important to think about how is this filtering into the different aspects of my business? And from a marketing point of view, like how is that showing up? So I'll use one of the examples I have, uh, ours, we have the value of being bold. So that absolutely shows up in my content in terms of how I speak with a strong voice, how I articulate my thoughts. Am I, you know, am I saying the thing that other people don't want to say? And like that's a way we have operationalized that value into, you know, the content. But I think so many times we spend a lot of times on those values, spend a lot of times on figuring out what those are going to be, but we don't necessarily bring them together with what they are. And I think it, the more you can do that, the stronger your message gets, the stronger your content gets. And it, you sound less like everyone else and more like, you know, really and truly the business you want to represent and what's important to you. And leading with that is never going to, you know, steer you wrong. The other thing is too, and I just think this is a super practical money thing Mm. on the, like kind of getting your head straight is instead of worrying about a revenue goal, figure out your personal salary goal. Because nothing, like the reality is, is we all have the types of businesses that exist to help us make a living as humans on this planet, living in a very fundamentally imperfect economic system. We all need to make money, no matter how we might feel about capitalism. We need to make money. Got to pay my gas bill and it's gone up a lot, right? I got to buy the $8 watermelon at the grocery store if I want it, so on and so forth. So With that in mind, having a personal salary goal and figuring out like money-wise, what actually really matters to you? What do you actually need? Do you need to be putting money away for your retirement? And then backing your business goals out of that, I think really is important because what I see happening so many times is people are not paying themselves appropriately and it makes them feel worse when they actually have the resources within the business. But you know what they keep doing? They keep spending it on coaches. They keep spending it on programs. And I have nothing against coaches or programs. Mm. But overspending on those things does not serve you. And it does not make you happy or better at your business. It leaves you frustrated. There's the potential for harm. So I think being very clear about what your needs are and making sure you're getting paid, is really, really important. Yeah. Just even hearing you talk then about things that are really practical and real and not sexy (laughs) that you're just never going to see in the influencer um, business space is kind of, for me, definitely one of those green flags. When I hear someone like yourself also talking about things like get really clear on your values and then how they practically show up in your business, put aside money and that's the money that you're spending on investing in coaching and education this year. Those things you don't hear talked about that much and it's so refreshing. That's the difference between what is a smoke and mirrors kind of business versus someone who really knows what they're talking about. 
And honestly, like I, I always joke, like it's not, none of this is sexy. Building any kind of business, it's not yeah. sexy. It's a business and it requires, I hate to say this. And I mean, it, I love the work I do clearly, but it is work. Mm-hmm. It is work and it requires effort and consistency and commitment yeah. and all those things and not in a toxic you know, hustle culture kind of way. But like, that's the reality of building a business. Like I see so many people I know and like, and trust that have gotten sucked into things and like, mm-hmm. they've just lost the plot. Yeah. And there's nothing good that's going to come of that because they're fundamentally good people on a very bad path. Yeah. Everything you've said there is, is something to be aware of. None of us have gone into business to do anything other than just start a business out of something that we're maybe interested in. I think it's very easy. There's definitely been a transition of people who maybe have gone into online business because of that messaging and thinking that, oh, four hour work week and, oh, I don't have to do that much and I can live this great lavish lifestyle that maybe just wouldn't have necessarily gone into business if they knew how much work goes in behind it when you're building a sustainable business. So can I give you one last place I really like to vet people? This is going to sound so weird. Go on if, if it's a bigger business and they're hiring, look at how they're compensating their team. Because what you just said, like people coming into this industry and expecting to make a great deal of money and not work that much, it absolutely happens, but they do it by exploiting other people. Mm. And I I mean, I probably once a week, someone will send me someone's job description with the pay and I'm, oh, I feel sick. Like, honestly, I feel sick when I see it because I start doing the math on the level of experience, the expectations and what the compensation is like, Mm. absolutely not. This tells me everything I need to know about your business. And I had one sent Mm. to me the other day, $14 an hour US for a marketing role, not a full-time role, but still that is not a living wage anywhere in the US. Yeah. Unless you're like a student living with your parents. Um, And FYI, that's what my 18-year-old works would make at his part-time job. Like that is not okay for someone with skills and experience. And this person teaches people how to have a six-figure plus business and talks about impact and women's empowerment. Like tell me you're not living your values. That's right there, the job description. Yeah. that I mean, it's just evidence. It's just... There's the marketing and then like, if you can just get that little look under the hood of the business, you'll see Mm -hmm. it really fast. Yeah. And keep coming back to what is it that is working for me? What is it that success looks like for me? What are my goals? And find people to follow like yourself who are, you know, sharing a different side, because I think you also can't get that perspective until you know the other angles around it. And if that's the only thing you've ever known is is a certain way of seeing things be marketed. It is really important to see how it can be done. And, you know, to that end, like, I think in terms of the, you know, I know your audience, like introverted, neurodivergent, Mm -hmm. sensitive, like you absolutely need to protect your energy and your brain and all of those things. Every so often I go on a full, like I just disappear. I don't, I don't like disappear from the planet, but I, I do not, I do not consume a ton of other people's content. Yeah. I do not listen to a ton of business podcasts. Like I am very careful about what I do put into my brain so that I can do the research I need to do in the time I need to do it. But 
Mm. You know, I think we we get into the online space, we're really excited. We follow all these people, we listen to all these podcasts, we take all these courses. At a certain point, it just goes back to foundations and getting some of the support you need so that you can build a business that's going to work for you and sustain that business. And that doesn't mean you need to have 20 different people in your ear. That creates confusion. It creates stress. It, it, again, like it really mess with how we're feeling and about our business. So like, if you need to unfollow everyone or delete Instagram or unsubscribe from all the newsletters, do that. Protect yourself because ultimately, like how much are you gaining from those things? Like we're, I don't know, we live in an information abundant age and it's easy to overdo it very, very quickly. Yeah, I think it also, and it's easy to think that we're doing things towards our business when we're signing up to programs and we're buying this thing and getting that and following these people, listening to these podcasts. It can feel like you're actually taking action. And I think it's really important as well when you scale that back, having daily daily and weekly and monthly things that need to get done in the business that are actually moving you in the direction of your business goals and personal goals. And sometimes that extra noise can feel like you're doing more than you actually are when actually it's coming back to the unsexy things and getting on with those sometimes well, all the time. And I'm, Catherine, I'm glad you brought that up because I think the thing that nobody talks about, nobody talks about the podcast, you're giving away your time. Mm. You're giving mm. away your energy. You're giving away some of your li- very limited capacity as a person. When you join a program, like there, and let's say the program doesn't work for you, there's not just the loss of money. There's the yeah. loss of time. There's the loss of energy. There's the emotional um, bandwidth issues that go with it. Like there is a lot more to it. And I think we never ever talk about those other costs, the energetic mm. and the time costs involved. And I feel like, if people really understood that, they might look at these things a little differently. Like, yeah, it's $2,000, but it's going to be 25 hours of my life. Yeah. Hmm, do I really want this? <laughs> yeah. And then fitting yourself, trying to squish yourself into somebody else's box <laughs> uh, without taking your own strengths and skills and lived experience and circumstances into consideration. That's what gets me about those decisions. Does it actually, do the strategies actually match the goals and the the direction that you want to go in. And I think that that's another thing we have to look at when investing yeah. in anything. Even the structure, like I, the structure of things, like if yeah. you are not someone who's going to do well in a group environment, yeah, don't join a group program where you need to be like, maybe you need to work with people one-on-one. I think for me, yeah. uh, ironically, I host groups, I host masterminds. Yeah, My people, my groups love them mm-hmm. and they're managed in a way that works for me. Yeah, And if I could join my own mastermind, I would, but I have <laughs> always struggled with finding a mastermind group for myself Yeah, that is contained in the way that I need as an introvert. Mm-hmm. It is yeah. so energetically taxing. Yeah. And I think it's the cruel irony of my life that I cannot find one as someone who, who literally has been hosting them for like seven years. I mean, they say <laughs> we create, we create what we most need, right? Yeah, that's the story. I was in a mastermind and I hated it. And I was like, there's got to be a better way. 
excuse me while I go into my workshop and figure this out. (laughs) I feel like that is a whole other conversation about the difference between holding space for other people and then, you know, when you're doing that all the time in your business. But I am mindful of the time and I'm so grateful for you giving uh, your time to us today. So thank you so much, Maggie. There has been so many absolute gems of wisdom that you've dropped and I always get so much value out of your podcast and amazing posts on Instagram and the deep dives and things that you do. So for anyone else who's listening, and wants to connect with you further, what is the best way for them? All of the links and the transcript from today's episode and everything will be in the show notes. But for anyone who is just listening and wants to jump on their phone and check out your work, where is the best place that they can connect with you further? So there's a couple places. If you're a podcast listener, which um, you are because you'll see your podcast right now, I am the host of the BS Free Service Business Show. And I also co-host another show called Duped, The Dark Side of Online Business. Um, And that one we get really, into the tactics. So, and we're very research-based, very nerdy. Um, And then I'm very, very active. I wouldn't say I'm very, I shouldn't say very, very. It's like, I I have other things in my life besides Instagram, but I'm active on Instagram. And that's kind of where I share my micro content. And my handle over there is BS Free Business. And of course, my website is bsfreebusiness.com. Thank you so much for being here. I have just loved this. I can't wait to connect with you, hopefully another time, because I just know we're always going to have plenty to talk about. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. If you would like to connect with Maggie further or get the show notes, the transcript, and any of the other links from today's episode, please head to katherinemckenziesmith.com and I'll catch you in the next one.